This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. Hello and welcome to episode 124 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview uh, actors, writers, casting directors, producers, agents, managers, personal finance and fitness gurus, musicians, I mean, personal organizers, you know, I mean, God, who don't we interview? Anybody <laughs> at all that has any sort of tie into the industry and has been there, done that and doing it again. And then we uh, we package those interviews up on this podcast uh, with us, kind of yabbering on each each side of it, and yabbering. stick it out there on the internet uh, every week for you. And uh, we may just be two dudes, but we are now two dudes with 124 episodes of a podcast. So uh, while true, we kids. while we uh, are not necessarily the end all be all experts, we also are very aware that there is no such thing as an end all be all expert in this industry. There's no one path, and so. We love hearing from you guys and what your path is like. So we'd love for you to reach out to the podcast and drop us a line, send us a voicemail or an email to put in your two cents, and you can uh, get started at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. In this episode, we have uh, part one of our chat with casting director Gerilyn Flood, who is just an amazing, cool sweet, generous person, and uh, it was a real pleasure to sit down with her for an hour or so. So we've got part one coming at you later on, so make sure you stick with us. Yes, how you like our music? How you like our music? I, uh, so this is these are the moments when I regret not having a video podcast because I'm I'm dancing right now. We used to no use stream it. Remember that when we used oh, to do that? Right. We used that's to right. stream every episode and people could chat with us. Uh, we had fun. a few people actually tune in to watch the stream as we recorded. How, what's what's going on, buddy? How are you? Uh, well, first we have some people to acknowledge because <coughs> we got you're yeah, damn right. <laughs> yesterday alone, we got some uh, some love, man. Some, some podcast love. love. The podcast. We got two new patrons. Uh, and we're so thrilled to have them kind of part of the family. We have Andy Goldberg, who uh, has a really cool story. Do you want to talk about his story a little bit? We met him at episode 100, and we taped it at the SAG Foundation. That was our first time meeting him in person. Yeah, but yeah. he's been like a huge supporter of the podcast. He's listened to every episode. I think he said in his email that he recently went back and, and re-listened to like the first 60 episodes or something like that. Yeah. And he said, as soon as I, you know, start to, you know, make make money as an actor basically you know i want to support you know i i i'm committed to supporting you guys and he'd been just a huge support otherwise which is just as cool like i don't want to take anything away from anybody who supports us with their listenership and their word their of mouth word of mouth yes exactly exactly is, yeah. um he said i want to i want to donate to you guys i want to become a patron and and guess who's our newest patron yeah uh, and therefore guess who just booked a um what was it like? A, some SAG, 
I guess it was a supporting role or something. It's in an, it's in an email that he wrote to us, but he he's been booking work and he's getting paid now as an actor. It sounded like fairly consistently, and yeah. so his promise to us and to himself was that as soon as he started making money consistently as an actor, he'd be. You know, I guess kind of giving back to to the podcast that I get so warm fuzzy when I say this. Um, they gave him so much, so mm. and he he said that you know. So it, it was so cool, man, to yeah to get that email and and have that kind of come full circle. And wow, beautiful, beautiful yeah. stuff. So, so Andy, welcome to the family. Thank you, man. And then uh, and then our other patron, Deborah Smith, uh, who's new to us. We don't know much about her. Um, Deb, thank you so much for your contribution and for for joining the the family. And uh, make sure you shoot us a headshot and and blurb bio and links to your stuff and everything. We want to make sure we learn about you and get you up on the page. So thank you for your support. Our patron of the week is, this week is Sutherland Carter, um, who I love his little blurb too. He's he, he said you know he's an actor, writer, producer, but he's an artist wanting to change the world, and I I, I love that. Um, but he's, he's LA based now, but he, he comes to us via, uh, Dallas, this minor market in, in, in Dallas, Texas and, and built up his credits there before, before moving out. Ben Whitehair, who is, uh, our unofficial mascot, mascot for the podcast, uh, just got back from Texas. Uh, he is, he was flown out there by SAG-AFTRA to teach some social media classes in Austin, uh, Dallas, and Houston. And while he was there, a uh, he met somebody. He was, like, speaking with them and introduced himself. And they were like, wait, are you the Ben Whitehair? Which, Which must have been a cool experience. Totally cracks me up. Like, every time I say it, it makes me laugh. But he was like, well, uh, yes, that is my name, so I guess so. Oh, what did he say? He said, there's only one other Ben Whitehair that I know of, and he is a dentist in Australia or something like that. <laughs> and it, uh, the guy, whoever it was, pulled out his cell phone. I, I hope the person who this was is listening to this podcast right now. That would be so funny. But he pulled out his uh, his cell phone and like showed Ben the Inside Acting podcast in, the, in his podcast app on his phone. That's so cool. And... So he knew who Ben was just via the podcast. Just via us talking. And, yeah. and Ben actually co-hosted at least one or two episodes. So he was just really excited to meet Ben. And um, I just, I don't know. It, it was so cool that not only is our reach just kind of everywhere and people are listening to us all over the country and all over the world, but people really feel like part of this. And that's what we always wanted to create. And we talk about it all the time. We talk about the community that we're creating. Mm-hmm. And... For someone to meet someone who's not necessarily like, I mean, he's co-hosted a couple of times, but for someone to meet someone who's not necessarily like uh, one of the two co-hosts of the podcast and still feel like um, some, you know, like an emotional um, connection connection to them, yeah. you know, like, it, I don't know. It's just something very special about that. So um, Sutherland's bio reminded me of that because he's from he's from dallas yeah so just like a really cool really cool story so that's our patron of the week and also a fun a fun story and sutherland and i have been you know exchanging text messages and emails for a few months now just trying to get together and actually have a coffee date or a lunch or something just just to meet um sutherland i know it's been kind of tricky but uh we'll make it happen dude so let's let's keep at it 
Um, but thank you as always for your support and anybody who'd like to learn a little bit more about him, just head over to our website. You'll see his info in the show notes. I can't remember how many people we've been trying air quotes, trying to meet up with for the longest time and like, and and like missing people, but it's really cool to, to meet listeners and in person and stuff. Especially they come, they come out here from, yeah, that's my my favorite part of the show for sure is meeting people that listen to the show and have gotten something from it. it's just, I, I love it. It's really cool to connect with people that way. So thank you guys. Um, AJ, what's new in your world, man? Should there be some some big relocation, Trevor, Jen, myself, Caesar are committed to doing whatever it takes to keep the podcast alive. Um, Trevor and I have experimented with um, remote recording in the past, and we, we've got a new system that we are... Um, going to be testing here in the next couple of weeks so we're going to implement that and and test it and and see what where we can go from there so um just to allay i mean if christina was having these fears i'm sure there are other listeners out there who are having the same fears yeah. so just to allay some of those fears like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be okay it's gonna be good if, if and when this move happens uh i think it'll be so cool to have this little catch-up session because you'll you'll literally be like in another world yeah and i'll literally be in another world yeah and so like our catch-up sessions will be like you'll be talking about stuff that i've never heard of and i'll be having experiences you'll be like wow what's it like now you know yeah. I, since i've been there i think it could be really cool for the, <laughs> for the show to, to bring that new perspective into the fold i've had similar thoughts about like what value it will add yeah. to the podcast for any of those those listeners who have that fear just think about like the incredible perspective that the podcast will have having one of each of the hosts in one of the two major us markets yeah you know that i mean that would be incredible um you know we that's it's our sort of spiritual predecessor is everything acting uh podcast which is which was based in new york new york so we have that sort of spiritual predecessor already and now it's like kind of coming full circle like i mean you know there's no guarantees like one of the things that i don't know if i talked about this i I know i talked about the meeting with my manager but i don't know if i talked about new york when about when i was talking about my manager on the podcast but she said don't even think about it there are no guarantees and and it was supportive because it allowed me to kind of let it go for the time being you know Mm. because until there's a contract signed like you never know you never know. There are no guarantees in this business. And she's right. Like until I see a contract and they make an offer and there's a sign and I'm, and, and it's a done deal. Like I'm just living my life, you know, yeah. I'm buying stuff for my new apartment. You know, my girlfriend and I are just like getting things set up. It's, you know, I, we stared at boxes for weeks going, we are going to have to pack these up again <laughs> in two months. This is ridiculous. Like, screw it and we were living with like the bare minimum in our in our bedroom and it's like that's not living that's surviving like Mm. i and we completely shifted out of you know that mindset and and started settling in and it feels it feels so much better so when i talk about my pick of the week i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about a breakthrough i had in terms of making this whole thing a, a priority um i think that's a great way it's a good reminder of how to kind of view you know, auditions and meetings and things like that as well. You know, like Brian Vermeer, all the way, we referenced that episode so much, but Brian Vermeer's episode, episode three, he talks about, you know, like the, one of the best and worst things you can do after an audition is forget about it. 
he's like on a, on the one hand you want to forget that it kind of happened because it's out of your hands now and you can send a thank you note and just whatever be done with it like just move on with your life don't dwell on what may or may not happen but on the other hand you want to remember it because you want to remember what office you went into what you were wearing that day what role you read for how many times you've been in that office the names of the casting directors and associates that were there you know write all that down so you have a log of what's working in your career and what's not and where things are hitting and where they're missing and i thought that was you know it's it's a good reminder to to just kind of field i guess all these things in that context you know it's like forget about what you can't handle and remember what worked to get you there in the first place hmm. so i don't know i just yeah. it struck me as a her response struck me as a, <laughs> as a good reminder um it was kind of a blurry week for me because you know i had i was kind of surprised at the beginning of the week with this kind of personal news mm -hmm. that was happening and um that kind of had me down and it was one of those situations where and i wrote about it in the email this week the uh podcast inside acting dispatch which all of you should be subscribed to you know i was talking to a friend about it there's i don't want to go into specifics but i was talking to a friend and i said i, I said i feel really powerless and he said uh he, he said you are powerless mm. he's like some things you just have to accept and you can't take responsibility for other people's choices you can't take on the burden of what they choose to do with their life and make it your own problem and that was a, a really, that was what I needed to hear, you know, yeah. um, because, you know, I, I care about this person and, and what's happening is really, uh, you know, distressful and sad and upsetting. And, um, but at the same time, it's like, what can I do? I can be love. I can be open. I can be, um, extending myself you know only to the degree to which it serves us and the relationship you know there's a point at which i get to stop beating myself up um for something that has nothing to do with me mm -hmm. um it's easy to make it about me because anyway i don't want to go into specifics but but yeah so that's really my week was spent in that space and navigating that and, and experiencing my experience and trying not to you know, get sucked into it, but also acknowledging what I'm feeling, you know? Yeah. Well, the, and there's two things that I think came out of that. And I would re really love for you to speak into them. The first one is how you, I think you talked about this on the last episode, but it's come even further, <clears throat> which is how you, um, how you chose to channel that energy, mm, meaning mm -hmm. creatively. Yeah. Uh, and the second thing is, um, speaking into what you, what you did put in the email to our listeners and, um, and kind of, I was thinking what you could do is, is take that and turn it into a homework assignment for our listeners. Hmm. So if you could really dive into those two things, like I think that I think that people will get a lot out of that. Uh, yeah. Sure. I mean, we talked, we talked about this one or two episodes ago where I was just kind of saying I was feeling bummed about it. I mean, it didn't really come to a head until this past week, but I just was like, I just picked up my guitar and was like, I'm going to play my guitar and not feel guilty about stealing yeah. time away from, you know, the focus I quote unquote should I'm shooting on myself. Stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> that I should be putting towards, uh, you know, my acting career. I should be 
you know, writing a script or I should be, you know, you know, building up my website. Like I should be doing something acting related because we all know how competitive the industry is and how difficult it can be to, you know, keep a leg up and stay active and it's, it, it can burn people out. And so I was just like, you know what, I'm feeling this right now. And that creative space that this is coming from and that it goes back to, it's all, it's all part of the same animal. And when we talked to Anthony Mindel, he said something to that effect that really stuck with me that, you know, like it's, we're creative beings and this kind of either or thing we have about, I can do this or I can do that. I can, you know, it's like, if you look at a lot of the successful actors out there, I saw uh, a speech once from Paul Servino. And did you know, he's like a, a published author. He's written like dozens of novels. He's a sculptor. He's a painter and he's an actor. Oh, I love and, that. And he, you don't know a lot of this about this because all his books are published under a, a pen name, but he was talking and he was saying like, I do all these things because I'm just a creative person. He's like, I don't try oh. to box myself into just being an actor. He's like, that's not, that. that doesn't define me. That label is not all that I am. And so I thought about that and I was like, you know what? I can, I, maybe I'm just a creative person. Like, I don't think God or whatever Not higher maybe. power, God or whatever higher power didn't put me here and was like, your purpose is solely to do this <laughs> and anything else Acting. is against that purpose. <laughs> don't waste your time, young one. You know, it, so that was a, you know, I just, I let myself do that and, and it felt really, really good. Is that kind of what you were yeah, Thinking. I mean, just channeling your creative energies towards uh, towards music, and then I also just loved that you were that you said, I think it was yesterday when you were saying I'm a creative being, you know, was beautiful. So yeah, that's that's it. And then the other thing was the email that you sent and sort of what you were encouraging our listeners to do. And then I thought we should just mm-hmm. turn this into like a homework assignment for for the for the episode. Yeah. Um, in that email, I just, I just realized how important it is to just, you know, reach out and let people know you appreciate them, um, without anything, without expecting anything in return. Cause you never know how shit's going to go. You know, like one of my favorite things to do and to have done for me is just a random surprise gift, hmm. you know, and it could be something as small as like a Lara bar. You know, I love Lara bars and every once in a while, you know, my girlfriend will give me a Lara bar. Be like, Hey, I know you like these. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I just light up, you know, and it's the sweetest, it's the sweetest little thing, but it sometimes makes a huge difference when you're not expecting it Yeah. or just a handwritten note, you know, email and text messages are so prolific. When was the last time you got a handwritten card in the mail from somebody that lives down the street from you, but they just dropped it in the mail and you just opened it and, and were surprised yeah. that they had taken the time to send you something in the mail. Like it's so special. So I think that stuff like that goes a long way and, and it, it, uh, it goes both ways, you know, it, it really is one of those giving is receiving kind of things. Yeah. It doesn't need to stop there. You can, you know, complete strangers, people you meet on the street, um, in an elevator or something like that. You, the, the one thing that I always try to remind myself of is you never know when you could be the difference between that person taking their own life or not. Like, I, I know that seems like really dire and extreme and defeatist and, and maybe even depressing for some people. But the fact is that there's a lot of people walking around considering that is their only choice yeah. because they have, they have not experienced, um, love. They've not experienced, um, people taking the time to like, let them know that they matter on this planet period, full stop. Like that's it mm. that, you know, so to, to be engaged with someone in such a way that you're expressing how much that they matter simply by saying like, how are you? That can make a huge difference. 
someone may they they might not they might not have the people in their lives that we, that we do they're, they're actually receiving that question yeah on a normal basis like how are you and have somebody really care and listen to them if you spread love if you give your love away there's there's more love in the world period yeah so you're not sacrificing it you're not you know if you if you love and you keep your love to yourself then that's it you're it dies it starts and dies with you yeah <clears throat> and you know that Wow. Yes. And I've noticed that so many, I would say the vast majority of successful actors, successful meaning they're consistently working, they're a known commodity in the industry and whatnot. Um, Most of those people that I've met are like unapologetically compassionate, you know, unapologetically empathetic. Mm. Like they feel things and they are not afraid to reach out and even if you've just met them they're like how are you you know i met colin farrell uh probably a year or two ago now and it was really brief it was for this interview thing we were doing and i just shook his hand and but i got right off the bat he shook my hand he looked me in the eye he asked me how i was asked me to repeat my name and when we were talking he was consistently making eye contact and after we were done he asked me real quick what i did and like that kind of energy i think is what it's all about and and here's the I'm kicker such a big smile on my face yeah. right now and you think you know like the media paints him to be like an asshole you know i was expecting like this kind of like flipping kind of like bad boy kind of kind of dude and he was nothing like that he was the sweetest guy and uh not only did it make me a huge fan of his work immediately but also you realize why these people are why they have the depth that they have as as artists you know like i i really think that when you operate from that place of like unapologetic empathy and you're not afraid to just say to somebody that you pass in the street like literally this is a good example my i had an old roommate a while ago who um was just driving one day he's not an actor or anything but this is just the way he is driving one day and he st- was at a stoplight and this girl was in the car next to him and she just had her head down and she looked upset. And this is kind of before cell phones were a big thing, like texting on the road. So she wasn't looking down at the cell phone. He just said she looked upset and he rolled down his window and he said, Hey, and she looked up and he said, are you okay? And she kind of looked at him and he said, I wasn't there. He told me, you know, she, she kind of like had a moment of panic and then she, then she kind of like softened and was like, yeah, I am. Thank you. And just kind of smiled at him and, and like sincerely thanked him just for noticing and reaching out because, you know, we're all in the same boat. We're all this. There's no separation between you and I. You are me and I am you, energetically speaking. So I, I don't know. And once you get to this place, your art becomes kind of automatically authentic mm. and and effectual. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like a good it's, word. Yeah, I don't know if that's a real word. I'm no, effectual is a, is, a, is a real word. A yeah. real word. I can't say real word, but you know. <laughs> um, so that's your homework assignment, folks. Especially as we go into Thanksgiving this week in the no, States. No, it's perfect. It's, yeah, perfect. it's perfect. And that's that's actually, you know, why I I, uh, I thought it, it was all sort of lining up. Yeah. You know, it's the holidays in the States anyway. Um, you know, we've got Thanksgiving and, and um, Christmas. What is it? Chris Mahanza Quantica coming out. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And it's a good, it's a good opportunity going into the holidays <coughs> to practice this without people being like, what's up, dude? Why, why are you acting like this? You know, it's like, you can kind of start with the holidays and then, and then make it a way of being going there forward. You go. Create the <laughs> yeah. habit. Create yeah. the habit. I yeah. love that. I love that. Yeah. 
All right, awesome. So should we uh, roll into this interview? We should. We shall. We shall. We shall. Stop shooting. We're not going to shoot on ourselves. Um, Yeah, so part one of our chat with Gerilyn Flood. um, This is great. We talk about kind of what got her into this world. And what's so cool is that it it really, the sense I got was that she really found her purpose and her passion. And it's just the perfect blend of all the things that she was interested in and she loves her job and you kind of really get that from this from this first part and then the second part we really get into some of the her kind of uh, favorite things that actors do and non-favorite things and what it's like on the other side of the table it's really good stuff from a very prolific casting director uh, who's a great person as well so love it enjoy part one guys and we'll catch you on the other side Hey everybody, this is Trev. I'm here sitting here with Jen and a guest that we're, we're very excited to have on board with us today, Gerilyn Flood, who's a casting director for, geez, what aren't you a casting director <laughs> for? Uh, lots of TV, lots of film. Um, I think you've even got some crew credits on your IMDb that I saw. Oh no, that was, that's from Frasier. That's what they gave okay. us. They gave us a assistant to the producer credit and so, okay. so we got it we got our name on the credits cool cool right on so but a lot of experience so a lot of uh, wealth a wealth of knowledge to share today so <laughs> very excited to be sitting across from you thank you for taking Thanks. the time today i'm very excited to be here thank you for having me of course so were you we at least like to start kind of at the very beginning and get mm-hmm. a feel for people's journeys so uh let's start with where you grew up and what got you to la la land um, I grew up in New York, in Queens. I am the children of two immigrants. Um, my parents are from Ireland. Uh, they met here, in, well, met in New York. Um, and uh, my father, I guess, was a bit of an amateur actor growing up. Like, and he was a ham, in real, you know, when we, when we knew him. Um, uh, but my sister, I'm the youngest of three. My sisters are seven and eight years older. My middle sister, Peggy Flood, is an actor. And went to school, you know, uh, was always in doing theater. And so I kind of grew up watching her, emulating her, learning, you know, helping her run lines, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then I, but I was always interested in art history and art. And so I went to, I started at Hampshire College in Massachusetts in art history. And then I left school a couple of years in and went to work in art galleries and worked for Contemporary art gallery, and then I worked for another gallery, a small gallery, and then I worked for Holly Solomon Gallery, which is a what better known, like William Wegman came out of there. A lot of great artists came out of there. And then went back to school at NYU. If you work at NYU, you get free tuition undergrad, essentially. So I worked oh, at cool. NYU during the day. Nice perk. It's awesome. It's yeah. great. I don't know if it's still relevant, so don't go okay. don't looking for jobs free tuition. <laughs> um, <laughs> And well, you get, you know, you have to pay some, do you get some credits and then you pay over it, but, but it's still a great, it's a great, I want, I have an NYU degree with no debt. Nice. Um, I was still paying my Hampshire loans, but I had no debt from NYU. Um, and I developed my own program through Gallatin, which is a school there, uh, for art management, essentially for theater arts. Cause I, my idea at the time I was married to an actor, who are that we would run a theater company together that I would do all the sort of that sort of stuff behind the scenes and he would be one of the actors and we would do all this stuff 
Um, and then we moved out here because both my sisters moved out here. They both married men from, from LA and my sister Peggy had two little girls and I want to be a part of their lives. My, because my parents are from Ireland, we had no aunts or uncles around growing up. We would go visit all the time, but it wasn't the same as your aunts at your birthday party. And you know, how awesome is that? And so we moved out here and then soon after my uh, husband and I split up my, um, and I started to work for Jeff Greenberg. Cool. Um, that was my first job. I, I met, I should backtrack. I met Kathy Ranking, who worked for Jeff at the time in New York when my ex took a workshop with her, David Cheney, very talented actor. We're friends. It's all good. She, we just got along really well. And she said, you should come work for Jeff Greenberg, you know, when you move out here. And I was like, who's Jeff Greenberg? Because in my mind, I wanted to work for, you know, the, the car, you know, the single cards you see when you watch the movies, like Marcy Learoff. I had a binder of IMDb, you know, people that I was like, oh, they do such great mm. work. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mally Finn, all these people, Deb Zane, these great, you know. Um, and then I looked up Jeff Greenberg and I was like, oh, he's done a few things. Wings, Frasier, Cheers. Yeah. Okay. I think I could get behind this. <laughs> and, you know, I was lucky enough to that he, he gave me a job and I worked on the last two seasons of Frasier and according to Jim and a whole bunch of other, you know, awesome shows and got, had experiences that were ridiculous. Like working on Frasier was amazing because literally you would make a list. Who would be great for this role? You know, and you make your dream list and often they would appear, you know, like that sort of, because (laughs) it was such a great show. It was so well written. It was such a, it was so classy. There was no, you know, everybody knew it. It was, Fantastic. Did that spoil you right off the bat? Oh, 100%. As a casting director? You were like, oh, this is easy. 100%. Wow. You know, and, and also just also it was in the, what was in it, the 10th season when I got there? And, you know, so they were doing very well. So there would be sushi and, you know, they're like, oh, what would you like for lunch? Oh, here, you know, like that. Right. It was, yeah. So when I went to work with other offices and they were like, what? No, that doesn't work. Like that. And I was like, oh, darn it. Um, But it was great and magical. And Jeff uh, is a big theater fan, as am I. So we really got along that there were a lot of theater actors that came in that I was, like, gushing over, like, freaking out. Like, Steven Spinella came in, and I was like, I loved you. (laughs) And he was like, really? You know who I am? Okay, cool. Um, So just that was magic. And it was on the Paramount lot, so it was really great. So So that was your first gig in L.A.? Yeah. Wow. So it's not, you had a, a childhood that was really steeped in, in art, it sounds like. I mean, you were, there were galleries and things that you were Yeah, I mean, I think... Your father and your sisters, <laughs> I mean... I guess, I mean, it sounds like it. My, my, my parents were uh, always... Education was important to them. Um, that was always understood. And we went to... I went to a Catholic all-girl high school where they would have a thing called Culture Day every couple of months. And living in New York, it's logical you go to theater. That's, you know... So I got to see amazing stuff. Like I got to see the original cast of dream girls. I'm dating wow. myself. I know, but, um, <laughs> I did, you know, that sort of, and that growing up and knowing all of that, getting to be a part, like, yeah, I was very, very lucky. I, I, I miss New York. I miss theater. I get mm. to go, I go back once a year and gorge myself on theater. Yeah. Um, and see theater here, it's but it's fix. not the same. It's yeah. just not the same. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know that we were super artistically, you know, like that sort of was prevalent, but it certainly was in us, you know, yeah. finding, I think it was finding out more as an adult 
my father, you know, cause when my dad died when I was 13, so I didn't have that relationship of like, you know, when you get older and you're like, so dad, what were you like as a teenager? What were you doing? It was hearing stories from the family about, oh yeah, your dad was, you know, allowed to do plays and, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So did you, it sounds like you knew you wanted to go into casting, uh, pretty much right off the bat. Um, it came it, about, no, it came about, it took a long time. I make it, it's very much the Cliff's Notes on that. Okay. Um, because I love, I knew I loved, I knew I loved artists. I knew I loved art. I knew I loved putting artists together with the right people. Like when I worked in the galleries, seeing beautiful paintings, photography, and being like, oh, I know this collector, this person comes in and explaining why this is a good match and you need to have it in your home. I loved that act of it, of like putting making someone as excited about the work as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but I think I was young and the, and the commodification of art of the piece of art really sort of broke me down. Yeah. Um, and so I moved away from it and worked, uh, I mean, I did get to work for a dealer of 19th century photography. I always have to pause when I say that. Cause if I say 19th century photography dealer. It sounds like he's from the 19th right, century. Right, right. Um, yeah. Hans Kraus, who has uh, Hans P. Kraus Jr., I should say, who had amazing, beautiful photography. And while it wasn't my interest, I learned so much and got to be a part of that. So that was really great. But I love actors and I love theater and I loved all of that stuff. So I, that's when it came. And being with David made me realize, like, oh, that's what I maybe have a forte for. And that was always what I called my stupid party trick before IMDb. I was the one that all of our actor friends would be like, who's that girl? And why do I know her? You know, she does that thing on the, and I'll be like, Oh, and you knew. yeah, she, maybe she did. You saw her in this and this, or she did this pilot, but it, you know, da, da, da. like literally I would remember from a, a, you know, a show that aired two episodes. See, that's, that's so interesting to me because something that you hear over and over and over again in this industry as an actor is that cast directors have memories like, Elephants, Like, they just remember everything. Mm-hmm. And I was always kind of wondering, the chicken or the egg thing, like, did they just develop that? Or do a lot of casting directors just have that? And it sounds like you just got a really, yeah, I a think, really great memory. I think you have it. I think because I remember when I started working for Jeff, and Colin Daniel was the associate there at the time. And, you know, so great people. I was surrounded by amazing, like, people there that I was like, oh found my people. Like, mm. I just felt mm. like, yeah, this is where I need to be because we were all doing like, Oh, you know, it'd be great. This would be great. I'll have that, you know, like come up with this. And it, we felt so collaborative and creative and really awesome. And the, you know, the wealth of knowledge that I thought I knew actors and they would, you know, in it, Colin Daniel is still to this day. It's like, come up with a list of actors in their twenties who can play this particular blah, blah, blah. And he'll be like, Oh, sure. You know, and here's wow. 50 names. Here you go. And it, like from his head, I can't, I need a little more referencing and you know like what's i had a role that was like that who would be good you know he can just so yeah but i do think memory having a good memory is key so it sounds like you've really kind of hit on your almost like your purpose or your passion i mean it sounds like this is is it yeah absolutely it was very funny the other day the i was getting some blood drawn you know at the doctor and the woman was trying to distract me and she said no we're having this discussion so what would you do if money was no object to like, so what would you do for, you know, if you could anything you wanted? And I was like, you mean like I have to have a job? And she said, yes, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I have no, like, I'm, I love what I do. Wow. I can say that. I mean, there are days where I want to kill people and, sure. you know, like, <laughs> sure. of course, isn't anything, yeah. but for the most part, yeah. no, I know 
I've made the right decision. That's so cool. I heard a great story last night that I wanted to share real fast. Uh, it was a story about an interview that um, this guy had heard with Bono from U2. Uh, actually, it wasn't with Bono. It was with The Edge, the guitarist, who's, right. who's one of like the greatest guitarists in rock music and possibly in history. And, um, Self-taught. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and Bono goes off and he does all these things. He's got his philanthropy and his ch- he does a million things. And then the rest of the band just kind of just does U2. And the interviewer was asking The Edge, what would, like, why don't you go off and start your own band? Like, why don't you go do your own thing? Like, don't you want to, you know, branch out and do your own thing? And and The Edge said, uh, okay, well, like, here we go. If I wanted to start my own band, I'd want to play with, like, the absolute best musicians. You know? So I'd look for the best drummer. And that's our drummer. It's like, <laughs> then I'd look for the best bassist that you could possibly find, you know, really build a great rhythm section. That's our bassist. And then I want the absolute best singer who can connect with the audience. And essentially he built you too. And he right. said, so I'm already doing what I love to do. Why would I go branch out to, it just reminded me of that. And I thought that was a fun story. What's also interesting just about you too, is that my husband is a musician and he knows all this stuff. They split everything like all evenly. There's no writer's credits that are greater. You know, like part of the reason like the Eagles and it was in a documentary they had to split up because Don Henley and the other man, I can see his face, um, wrote most of the songs. So they got more money. They got more percentage of those songs. So they were making a lot more money than the rest of the band and it created some sort of animosity. And Don Henley and those guys say like, we wrote them. So yeah. But you two, everybody, 25%. That's it. Yeah. Whether I wrote it, you wrote it, we wrote it, that's just it. Win-win or no deal. Yeah, which I think is like, you have that off the table, then you can all be creative and you don't feel like you have to hold back or that, you know, Yeah. it's all us. Like you said, we're making, you know, they make each other great. Like that, having all of that, I think that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Wow. Okay. So cool. (laughs) So you you moved to LA to to be closer to family and you kind of, almost it sounds like fell into, well, but not by accident. It sounds like you had a talent for it and you fell into this, your passion really. Yeah. I got, I got, I did get very lucky with that first job. Cool. Um, I was, when I was working at NYU, I was working for the Stern School of Business doing, um, administ- I was the financial aid officer and admissions officer there for the undergrad. Um, and I had a job opportunity at CalArts they, uh, so I, we moved here for that originally. And I called Kathy ranking and said, I don't know what to do. Cause Kathy said, come meet Jeff. He'll probably offer you an assistant position. And I called her and I said, I don't know what to do because this job at CalArts is a lot more money, I'm sure. And, you know, and, um, and she said, well, I said, what would you do? She said, if I were you, I think she, I, I want to always get it right. Knowing what I know now, I would take the casting job, but knowing what you know now, you should, you'll probably take the CalArts job. Wow. And I took the CalArts job and it was great. It was good. It wasn't, but it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't. And so I called her and I was like, you're right. I didn't want this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I met with Jeff and I, I just, it was one of those things where I get super lucky because he said, well, what's it like working, you know, for CalArts? I said, it's good. You know, it's really good. It's hard because um, most parents want their children to go to school that has a great academic education as well as a good, you know, theater program. So CalArts is really good in the, you know, the theater part, you know, academics aren't as strong as someplace like UC Irvine, which is a great school. And he went, I 
went to UC Irvine. I was like, Yes. I didn't even know. Like, I knew that somewhere, but it just sort of came out. And then uh, he said, well, you know, we have five shows this year. And he listed off one. um, And we had two that were about in-laws. One was called The In-Laws and one was called Meet the Parents. And one was with Dennis Farina and Gene Smart. And I gasped when he said Gene Smart. And he was like you know Gene Smart personally? And I was like, no, but I made a list of like the top five men and women that I'd want to see more of on TV in case you ask me. And Gene Smart was like the top of my list. I saw her in this Nikki Silver play and she was so amazing. He said, oh, I saw that play. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, good for you. Oh, you like me? You like Nikki Silver? I said, yeah, pterodactyls was amazing. So we had this whole theater conversation that naturally flowed. It just kind of worked. And he said, mm-hmm. you know, this is the first time I've done it in however many years he had been in the business at that point. But I'm offering you a job. And I said, and I'm taking it without even sort of conferring with anybody right. at the time. And, and I took a 55% pay cut with no benefits. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, assistants don't get paid a lot. And we didn't, we, mm-hmm. before the, even before the union, we didn't get paid hardly anything. And how long did it take for you to work your way up to... Associate? Uh, uh, yeah. That was with Marcy Learoff, probably. So I was assistant for Jeff for two years and then assistant for Marcy for maybe one. And then we went on to work together. And then I was the last movie I did with her. I was a casting director with her on Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. She's awesome. I love Marcy. She's a great mentor to me. Yeah. We talk all the time. We, we instant message every morning. We have coffee together. Really? Um, yeah, totally. She like, <laughs> we awesome. were talking about it the other day. She's like, I love that we do this. And I think it's been seven years, eight years we've been doing it. Just Every like, morning. Hey, how are you? What's going on? Oh, that's great. And like tells me wow. about, you know, movies she's working on. And, and I'm just, I always get sad. I'm like, I'm happy for you, but I want to work with Mark again. Mark Waters. Who, mm. She just did Vampire Academy with her. She's telling me all of the stuff that was going on with that. And I was doing big time rush at the time. I was like, I would totally just come and tape. I just want to be in the room and right. see all that. Right. So she's awesome. And then, so from Marcy, in between working with Marcy Leroff, I would go work with Zane Pillsbury, which is a TV. They do TV. Yeah. <clears throat> a ton of TV. And then I worked with them for a while, and I was, they made me a casting director on the pilot for Good Luck Charlie. And then from there, I uh, went out on my own, and a uh, big time rush happened soon after, not too, I don't know. It's all a blur mm-hmm. with the writer strike and stuff. It was a little hard, but soon after, yeah, and then yeah. I did that for four years. Wow. So you've had a long, a long career through a lot of adversity within the industry. I mean, the writer strike yeah. must've been writer strike was pretty devastating even for everybody on, on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. God, I have so many questions. I'm trying to figure out where to start. Now. <laughs> I, I think it's so great to hear about like your history and what you guys deal with kind of behind the scenes as it were, because a lot of actors, you know, we walk in and it's so intimidating to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. And you just, the cast director is just this implacable thing that you have to please. It feels right. like sometimes. And, I know. And, and that's I, the it's not the way me. it is. It's not at all. And I don't know where that happened. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's just movies or whatever, because I, what I always say to people like, I'm a dork. <laughs> I'm an utter dork. And my husband will verify that. I'm just a goober. I just get so excited by actors. I just geek out on stuff. You know, my husband always laughs because when we first started dating, we'd be watching movies and, you know, we'd be cozy and cuddling and, you know, as new, as new couples do. And I would slowly, like, grab my laptop, 
you know, and start like looking up people and then putting them on my list and in my database. Oh, that's right. I forgot about her. She's great. And he'd be like, really? This is what I thought we were snuggling. What? Um, you know, and I, I love planning my trip to New York and what I'm going to, what theater I'm going to see. And, you know, like, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, and I'm going to see Macbeth the first night. And then I think I'm going to see, you know, like, but maybe, I don't know, you know, all yeah. of that. I just, I, I love, and when someone comes in and just nails an audition, it's the best. I, you know, that my friend, Sean Ryan, super talented actor. And he came in for a role and I said, oh my God, I've been waiting for you all day because I know you're just going to nail this. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> no and, pressure. No, but I didn't, I just knew yeah. he would. I yeah. just knew that this was in his wheelhouse. He was going to be great. And he finished it. And he told me the story, like how much he just thought it was hilarious and loved me. And he just, and I, when he finished, I went, thank you. Thank you. Okay, great. Because it's, I go through this, you know, this whole thing of like, oh, have it i don't have it and the you know i turn into like the we character you know where you're mm. just like drop over when you when you lose the game i'll go out to my assistant like that like we don't have it yet and then just do laps of joy around the office when someone is when just someone, great and i just feel like yeah. oh yeah we got it and it's even better than i thought it was gonna be right so wow so what, what do you see actors do more often than not that uh that either sabot- i guess there's a double a kind of double question Actors that sabotage themselves? Like, what, what do you see consistently happen? And then the actors that come in and nail it, what do you see consistently happen? Because I know that, that actors, you know, not everybody's right for the role. I went right. for something for VH1 the other day, and I was like, I walked in, and I sat, and the cast director sat down, and I was just like, right off the bat, we both knew, like, this isn't the right, mit, the right match. So I right. did my thing, and they said thank you, and I left, and I was like, okay, like, that wasn't right. So that happens. Sure. But... I'd like to think that I still at least made an impression in booking the office. Exactly. That is my, that is, that is Laura Palace, a manager told me this years ago, said this and we were in a panel together and I give her credit and I think it's genius because don't worry about booking the job because the job lasts a day a week, you know, right. if you're lucky five or six seasons, whatever, book the office, book a fan, make a fan because that fan carries with you through their career and yours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a great story when I, we were working at, when I was at Jeff Greenberg's, this woman, Amita Bala, would come in, and she was great. She would awesome come in, book all of our shows, funny, happy, you know, pleasure, like off book, good humor, no drama, come in, do a great job, thanks so much, out the door, was lovely. Everybody wanted to work with her. They, like, she had a recur, ended up recurring on Frasier as one of the waitresses at the last season. She was great. She, I went off to work for Marcy Leroff. I brought her in for, I suggested her for a role in Just Like Heaven. She booked it. Colin went off to create his own office. He brought her in for stuff. She booked on, you know, Rita Rocks on, you know. Yeah. So she booked yeah. on that. So just from that one first audition and booking the whatever role in that initial show, she got multiple jobs out of it. Hmm. So that, to me, if you keep that in mind, it, this is a, you know, you hear it. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Like, yeah. this is keeping that in mind. I think the biggest thing... That I the the problem that I see with actors, <clears throat> and you can see it almost in their you can see their breathing that they're breathing just like in their high in their chest and there's no mm. they're not owning their space if that makes sense yeah, you know that yeah. they're just sort of coming in like don't mess up don't mess up <laughs> you can almost hear you know that yeah. m- mantra in their head whereas if you just drop your shoulders and relax and that acknowledge that you deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. It makes for an easier time for everybody. And even if you're not right, as you said, that happens sometimes. You may not be right. 
I can still look at you and say, oh, good actor, though. Keep him in mind for something else. Right. He's not this, and I'll make a note and put him in the, you know, like, actor to keep in mind. Right, right. So that thing of, and, and also the understanding is it's one person's opinion. And you don't, you don't like everybody. They don't, so they may not like you, and that's okay. You know, like yeah, that, yeah. you don't gel. Okay, that sucks, but moving on. Yeah. There's plenty of yeah. other stuff that you can do. If that does that, you know, that Absolutely, yeah. I think you beat yourself up, but it's also like but yeah, I don't I didn't get a good vibe from them either. So would I want to work for, with them? Right. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, owning yeah, owning that power. Knowing like I got a great piece of advice from Glenn Morshower. Oh, I love um, him. Yeah, so Glenn, talented. a good friend with Carl, my agent and and that whole family. And uh I went to like a mini impromptu workshop that he gave and he said Stop calling them auditions. Start calling them meetings. And this is something we do on the podcast. We have to correct ourselves constantly. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a meeting yesterday. Uh, and he said, because when you're going into these things, you're, it's more supportive to see it as I am meeting you as a collaborator. And these are my ideas for the character. And this is what I would do if this were my first day of work. Right. Boom. And if it's not a right match, then it's not a right match. Right. But it was a good meeting. Thanks for the opportunity. Great to know you. See you again soon. Totally. And man, did that rock my world. I that's that's genius. I love that. That is so true because I, I do feel like that, you know, what I tell people, even co star one line, which are the hardest roles to do. They really are. That like because people are like, What do you want? I'm like, Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what the you know, producer wants on this. So you just give me you mm-hmm. and we'll see. Cause some you know, like right this way for a table, you know, like does he want a snooty waiter? Maybe. Does he want just a really nice guy? Maybe. But you also don't want to make it too much, you know, make that meal too. It's not, right, you know, as right. I used to say, it's not according to the waiter. It's according to Jim. So your job is to get Jim right. from the door to the table. How would yeah. you do that? Your circumstances are so heightened right. that the waiter's having a midlife crisis and he steals the scene. Yeah. Seth Colton, uh, who... Um, did the obsessed videos does this hilarious one with Mark Tetchner where he does that, where it's like a waiter and, and, you know, he said like, what would you, you know, what would you like? And I'll have the filet mignon. He's like, very good, sir. And you walk off. And Seth has this whole scenario where like, he's got two choices for what would you like, you know? And, and Mark's like, okay, it's hilarious. <laughs> Look at it. Like, it's really, really funny because Marcy Learoff and I were having this whole, there was a debate on Facebook and this one actor sort of wasn't hearing what we were saying, where he was like, well, but I want to prove that I'm an actor and that I can do this. And so, you know, isn't it better to make these strong choices? And and we were saying, not in the case of a small role where you are the waiter or you are the bus driver saying, have a nice day. No, that is not appropriate. That is, you need to be yourself and you need to, yeah. you know, bring yourself yeah. to it, whatever that right. is. But no, the bus driver didn't have a fight with his wife in the morning and you don't need to have that. And he wasn't getting it, he wasn't getting it. And then I just posted the Seth Obsessed video on. He went, oh, okay. okay. We'll have to get a link to that. That sounds great. Was Mark They're actually awesome. in the video? Oh, yeah. Uh, there, it's a whole bunch of different real casting directors. So I did one. Mark oh, Tetchner did one. Um, Michael Donovan did one. Like, they're all really, really funny. I got to check that out. That sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Everybody, I'm sure, has heard those stories. Like, oh, yeah, I walked in and, you know, did this. And you're like, oh. Yeah. He didn't. Yeah. 
I had an audition for that show, Castle, a couple months ago, and mm-hmm. man, did I screw that up. Oh, no. Because I was so then? excited for it, and well, I mean, I'll make a long story short, but it was for this, like, Irish mobster. And it was funny, it was like, a couple weeks later, I broke my wrist, and I was back in Philadelphia, kind of recuperating after surgery, and I saw that episode come on TV, and I watched it, it's like, oh, there's there's the role that I auditioned for. Um, but yeah, that, they said it was like an Irish mobster, so I, you know, worked on my Irish dialect, and I was ready to rock it, and I went in, and I... They were like, I started to do it, and they said, "Oh no, we don't, we don't need a dialect." Oh. I was like, uh, g- g- uh, and yeah, I, I fell hard. apart. I totally fell apart. Yeah. I just gave it to them straight, and they were like, "Okay, thanks." And then I started to try to make conversation. It was just awful because I was so thrown right. because I didn't even it didn't cross my. I was so focused on getting the dialect, right? And then I, I just you know you learn something with every single one of these, and you'd think after being in the game for almost ten years, I would have figured it out, but it's still a it's still a, a process. But, you know, here's the thing that I think is really interesting. In your life, in the day-to-day, you do something stupid and you go, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Okay. Like, you fix it. Yeah. But there's something that becomes so heightened in the room that you have to, this is just a moment in your life. And you're like, oh, okay. Give me a sec. I think that's also the thing is give yourself that time, that beat to correct. Right. I think it's that worry of like, oh, they got people waiting and I can't. There's a way to, to find that appropriate amount of time to go, oh, sorry, that's not how I... Okay, give me one sec. Okay, all right, let's do this. Mm-hmm. To just because it's so... You're so worried about like, I don't want to waste their time and I don't want to fuck this up and I don't want to... I don't want to... I don't want to look professional and I want to... Right. Yeah. But if, you know, you were cooking and your friend said, oh, no, I'm I'm a vegetarian, you go, oh... Okay, um, okay, well, I won't make the chicken and I'll do, uh, okay, no worries, yeah, we'll figure it out. Right. You would do that, you would adapt, but because you get so tight, you know, the shoulders go up, I see that all the time, uh-huh. that's the biggest thing with, with actors, that their shoulders are just yeah. up here like, oh my god, okay. Yeah, it's so okay. cool here, you said, you said you see their breathing in their chest mm-hmm. rather than their diaphragm, that's mm-hmm. interesting, I never thought about that being a physical signal right. that, that people would pick up on. Yeah, that's wow. just me. I'm also right. weird that way. It <laughs> okay. makes my husband crazy because I'm like, did you see what? He's like, no, I don't see what you see. No, I have no wow. idea. Like I just get really, or when we're in restaurants and I'm like, what's going on over there? What do you think that table? Shh, be quiet. <laughs> you know, like she looks pissed. What, what are they fighting about? He's mm-hmm. like, I don't, just eat your steak. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're right. Sorry. Okay. Hey guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part one of our chat with casting director Gerilyn Flood. Uh, amazing person. And part two just gets better. So I'm excited to bring you that next week. AJ, <laughs> what, uh, what is your pick of the week, dude? P-O-T-W. Um, we need to record a segment that introduces our pick of the week like they have on radio shows. Yes. And now our listener of the week. Yeah. Or you like, we, we have one of those soundboards. Yeah. And you yeah. Like push a button and it's like, pick of the week. Like some like harmonizing oh people harmonizing. We might do that just as an experiment to see what happens. It's like, what I don't want to get too cheese ball. It's like what we were talking about last night. Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Trevor's going to be internet famous. Oh, my God. Um, just you wait. My pick of the week is uh, an application called Things. Uh, T-H-I-N-G-S, Things. 
Um, it's available for uh, the Mac, but it's also available for um, mobile devices, iPhones, I- iPads. I don't know if it's on Android, but... It is. It is, is it? Yeah. Okay, good. Because uh, I want, I want an- anyone with a smartphone to be able to have access to it, but... There's no uh, Windows desktop application to my knowledge, so it doesn't sync with your with your desktop. But basically, <clears throat> it's an it's a productivity application that is designed specifically to uh, allow you to practice the principles of getting things done. GTD, David Allen's whole system and 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 book and all that stuff, which obviously we talk about a lot in the podcast. Trevor's been a big fan for a long time. I'm just now starting to get into this whole world. For some context, I watched David Allen's TED Talk, which I almost made my pick of the week by I'm, itself. Yeah, and I'm going to put that on our website as well. I'm yeah. Because I, I want to watch that, and I would love our listeners to <laughs> Everyone should watch this. Everyone. Like, actor or not, like, everyone gets to watch this. And as an actor, the, the big breakthrough that I had this week um, was... Uh, so I was watching this TED talk. It's about 23 minutes long or so, or so. And at one point, David Allen talks about a mind like water. He says, when you look at a body of water and you throw a pebble into it, the body of water doesn't react like you threw a boulder in it. It reacts like you threw a pebble in it. It ripples and then it reforms and then it's water again. If you throw a boulder in, it does the same thing. It reacts like a boulder was thrown into it and then it goes right back to being water again. And then he said these words. It doesn't tense up before the boulder hits it. And my mind exploded. And the reason that it exploded is because I realized that for years, well, I didn't realize this because I knew I was doing this and I've always been trying to like not do it. But for years, and it started when I was working full-time jobs, like for instance at Apple, when I would get an audition notice from like my manager or agent, I would tense up because... <clears throat> I thought, oh my God, I have all this stuff I need to manage in order to make this happen. Mm-hmm. So it started when I was working a full-time job um, and I, I knew I was going to have to get shifts covered or like make it work, get my butt over to wherever the audition was, da 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 And I used to get, especially now that I own my own business and I'm not working full-time, I would get uh, kind of like upset with myself for feeling that way. Like you should be excited. Like this is an opportunity to act. It's an opportunity to be an actor. It's an opportunity to potentially work as an actor. It's an opportunity to book an office. You should be excited. Like, why are you coming at this feeling tense? And what it is, is that I, I've, I've carried that feeling over mm. from when I did work. It's like a time. habitual response. Yes, exactly. And then the, and then the kicker, the like cherry on top, I was sharing with Ben, um, this, this breakthrough. And he said, it's because you don't trust that it will get managed. Mm. And that was, I, I like, I could have, I could have died. I was like, I'm, that's it. That's all my brain can handle as a human. Knowledge, knowledge bomb. Knowledge bomb. Huge knowledge bomb. Like I could, like the knowledge bomb exploded on my face and I could have went and like oh, taken God. a nap. Like I needed a nap after that just to like process it all. I've been really excited lately about putting these productivity things into practice and I di- and I knew I wanted to do it but I didn't know why and now I have the why I have the purpose I want to get my life to a point where there's um, no open loops as, as David Allen calls them no open loops and I can just be a creative being hmm. be a blank slate yeah because he talks about in the in this TED talk getting to a point where you, creativity just flows 
through you and out of you because your brain isn't preoccupied with all of these other things that you have going on in your life. So anyway, I'm recommending things. It's my pick of the week in terms of just a productivity software. Um, we've Trevor made Evernote his pick of the week, like a year ago or more. Um, uh, it's just about getting this stuff out of your head so that you can be a more creative being. But more importantly than that, getting to a place where you trust that things will get managed when they come up. Whether you get an email for an audition, an email for a networking event that you're invited to, an email about you know uh, a friend or family member that's inviting you to a, 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 a I don't know, some kind of family event, a family reunion, a holiday, a something that you just trust that it will get managed. And that way you are, or I am, I am receiving those opportunities as mm-hmm. wide open, open hearted as, as possible. And that was my big, like mind blowing breakthrough for the week. Yeah. I, I've been a fan of David Allen for a long time and, um, he talks about <coughs> operating from zero base, which I, I love, uh, meaning that like things come into his world and he just automatically handles them by putting them into a system that his brain trusts. It will see that information when it needs to see it. And once the brain trusts that that information will come into his world when he needs to see it, then it can let it go. And then he goes back to zero base, back to the calm pond, as it were. Yeah. And then it's from that place when you're clean and clear and you know your shit's handled that you, that the mental real estate is free to generate new ideas for you. And it, it's so cool that you're doing this because I've just, you know, I Zen to Done, which is like an ebook that's based on GTD and some seven habits stuff from Stephen Covey. That was my pick of the week a couple episodes ago, and I've been practicing it. And it is, there is nothing like that feeling of having your shit handled and then just being on fire with ideas. Like they just come out of nowhere. Your brain is just overactive because it has all this energy and space that was being used up by all these open yeah. loops, you know, and he says it in, in, uh, David Allen says it in the GTD fast audio program that I have. That was my pick of the week years ago. He says, uh, he was talking to the audience and he said something about like, what makes you think you have the luxury to keep having the same thoughts over and over and over again and make absolutely no progress on them. And uh, that blew my mind. He's like, I thought you were busy people. <laughs> and it was just like, Oh my God. It was like, yeah, why, why is that? Okay. That I have this thing just over and over in my head. Oh, got to do this. Got to do that. Oh, I got to water that plant. I got to water that plant. Oh, shit. I should water that plant. I got to water that plant. You know, like over and over again. It's like that is valuable mental energy that could be going towards a million other things. Yeah. And this stupid plant is taking. So it's all about building that system. Yeah. I, I love it, man. This is it's so cool. It is, it is revolutionary. Yeah, I'm 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 very excited. I, I guess I will check in with our listeners as uh as this goes on yeah today today you know is is an interesting day because you and i and and my girlfriend and potentially your girlfriend later on are going to basically have like a little mini staycation part of what i get to do over the next 24 hours is do um what he calls a brain dump because i'm just starting out so i'm basically going to start an evernote note anything that comes into my mind about like to do's anything that i feel like is on my plate and open loop anything is going to go in there and it's going to be like literally a list of just all the crap 
that mm. I carry around in my brain because it's not completed yet. And getting it down on paper somewhere. Yes, yeah, so but it's not in my brain. Yeah. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited about it. We hold on to these things. Like, we hold on as if that's going to support us in, like... It's just like meditation because people say, like, oh, I don't have time <laughs> to meditate. When they, when people who do meditate realize that, like, it just opens up this whole new world and they feel more productive and more open and that they have more time. Um, you know, it, we, we hold on to these things, these tasks, like, as if that's going to support us in getting them done. Where, you know, if we were to let go of them not only would we feel better, we would probably have more time. You know, it's just, it's just funny that we're, we're such a paradoxical, uh, being, you know, um, anyway, I could go on and on and on and on, but we'll be checking in, you know, I'm going to come back to this and like, let our listeners know how it's going, but hopefully they're getting something out of this weird conversation. (laughs) I, I would love to just going forward since I'm kind of practicing the same thing. I would love to just like touch base with you over a few days and just like keep each other. I don't know, I guess on task with practicing the system until it becomes a habitual way of handling information. And you know, David Allen even says, he says like, I bet you in the next couple of years, you're going to see studies come out that talk about how crucial this kind of work is just for general mental health. Mm. So nobody teaches you this in school and it's arguably one of the most important things you can do in your life to be, you know, relatively stress-free, uh, present, happy, you know, productive handling shit. You know I mean? Yeah. Awesome. awesome well, what's your pick of the week, man? <laughs> my pick Continue of the week down this rabbit hole. My pick of the week is totally different than that. I, you know, ancient aliens is one of my favorite shows. Yes. I just really got into that for a while. And I think there's a lot of, you know, it's fun. This guy, uh, his name is Charlie Hall. And he's, you know, I don't know, probably like in his 60s now. Uh, and back in like the late 60s, early 70s, he was an airman over in Nevada and in, I don't know, some desert area, I guess near Area 51. And he basically uh, wrote these books that initially were just supposed to be like a, a diary that he could just share with his grandkids to be like, this is the shit that I saw. And this is the shit that I experienced when I was younger. And his wife came across some of the manuscripts and was like, you need to turn these into books. And I guess she edited them and then they self-published. Believe what you will. It's, it's fun and it's interesting. And I think that there is some merit to it. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I think that, I mean, I don't know how specific you want to get with all the different, um, you know, species and whatnot, but, and there's a lot of stuff out there that's faked that's, and the people have come forward and said that's, it's been faked, but there's also a lot of stuff where it's like, you know, you've got guys like there's a Canadian, like I forget, but online you can see this guy, he basically is in Congress and he's given this whole deposition to the entire Congress up in Canada. And he's just like, this is what I've experienced. And this is what people need to know about. And this is what I've seen. And, And he talks about literally the tall whites and it's crazy. So anyway, I've been reading these books and just kind of being in that world. So, so what is your pick of the week? My pick of the week is uh, uh, a book called Millennial Hospitality, which is the first of five books that this guy Charlie wrote. And it's about his experiences uh, out on out in the desert running into these beings and his interactions with them. I could go on and on about this. If you're into this kind of thing, check it out. <laughs> you might enjoy it. Yes. I read that first book in like a day and a half. It was so compelling. Our listener pick of the week comes from Mark Vastro, who is also a recent patron. And Mark, actually, it's interesting you talked about David Allen's TED Talk because Mark talked about the TED Talks app for uh, 
iOS and Android devices, and it's just a really great way to have that stuff on your device, I suppose. And I just thought it was fitting, given that you know this TED Talk made a big difference in your world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, to it, pick that. I have the TED Talk app on my on my iPhone and my iPad, and it's great because it makes it really easy to search through all of them. You can also search by category. Well, then I think that just about does it for. Episode yes. 124. Yeah, lots of different ways that people can get in touch with the show and interact with the show and support the show. Um, start at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And if you want to shoot us an email, that's InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com. Questions, concerns, bribes, compliments, we, we take ah. it all. Uh, and then also our voicemail line, which is feeling a little underloved recently, I think. Uh, 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. That's right. Uh, yeah, go ahead and leave us a voicemail and uh, let us know your thoughts or questions, and we'll get your voice on the podcast. And we're all over the internet. You can find us on uh, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Actor Rateds, the iTunes. Jump onto our website and leave a donation. Become a patron. We've got uh, several new patrons we mentioned on this episode. And uh, our Patron of the Week, which a segment that we're, that we're doing. Um, you can get your picture and bio up on our website for uh, other people to check out and you can do that at our website insideactingpodcast.com there's the donate button on the right hand side you can leave a one time donation or uh, uh, become a patron and support the podcast financially as well as with your reviews and word of mouth and just interacting with us online for our production coordinator Jen Levin for our technical producer Cesar Gamino one day we'll say that normally <laughs> just <laughs> no, please but never. Cesar Gamino. Um, the Stace is a great guy, and he's doing a lot of a lot of great work for us. So, for those two and myself, Trevor Algott, I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, what are you thankful for? This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by VO2Gogo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2Gogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2Gogo.com slash start.